A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 26 of the 17-18 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up on the show... The transfer window is closed. We can talk about the football once again. Some massive games this weekend, including Spurs looking to chase down Liverpool. Brighton hoping to beat West Ham United and potentially climb above them in the table. There's 11 teams who are currently in the mix for relegation. I can't tell you who's going to be in it, but I do know who's going to win the Premier League. That's City. They go to Burnley. Guardiola says they're just eight wins away. It's the Premier League preview show for Game Week 26. Full programme in the Premier League this weekend. Burnley Man City, 12.30 UK time. The late game is Arsenal against Everton. Across the UK time, 3 o'clock, it's Manchester United against Huddersfield Town. Bournemouth against Stoke. West Ham go to Brighton. Leicester against Swansea and West Brom against Southampton. Sunday, two games for you. Crystal Palace against Newcastle is followed by Liverpool and Tottenham. And on Monday night football, it's Watford against Chelsea. Before we get into all that, let's have a quick breakdown of the last few days with talk sports football editor and our long-suffering preview show producer david walker um it's hard to remember all these games because of all the stories as well i mean i suppose we've got to start with the transfer window uh, and the drama that was we've kind of looked at the last few transfer windows haven't we and gone nothing's really happened it's all a bit dull this window was anything but yeah it was one of the best january transfer deadline days we've had for, for quite a few years i think and obviously all eyes were on the, the triangle of transfers, weren't they? With Aubameyang going to Arsenal, Batshuayi going to Dortmund and Giroud going to Chelsea. Uh, and I will come on to this later on with some of our guests. But it's intriguing to try and work out who's got the best deal there. Mm. And, and, you know, Giroud is an... Int- it's a, I'm very interested by this move because he joins Chelsea at a time when there are clearly problems. Mm. It, it does very much appear that Antonio Conte, whatever happens this season... He's going to wave goodbye to Stamford Bridge in the summer, if not before. Hmm. And it doesn't seem like the players, based on the performance against Bournemouth and some of the performances in recent weeks, are doing all they can for him. Doing as much as they have done in the past. So Giroud goes from one mess to another. And is he going to start every game? I don't know. Well, Alvaro Morata injured currently. He'll definitely start for me this weekend. Hmm. And Morata's form also tailed off as well. He's a brilliant man to have coming off your bench... Maybe, I don't know, if you're in the quarterfinal of the Europa League and, and Lacazette isn't firing. That's what makes it even more bizarre to me. Did Arsenal really need to make this sale? Why would they feel the need to do Giroud a favour? I want to play for the, in the World Cup for France. We don't care about that. We need to try and win the Europa League because that's our best shot of getting back in the Champions League. That's the aspect to me that is, is more confusing than the others. It's more Arsenal mismanagement. And when we look at articles, and I want to ask you this in a sec... Who people think have won the transfer window? We've got run on TalkSport.com, which says Arsenal are the team that have done well. I was reading one earlier on where it said Arsenal are the only team that get an A in the kind of school grading thing that people do of teams. I can't understand it because they've sold their best player to a direct rival. They've sold their most important super sub to another direct rival. And they've bought in a bunch of 29-year-olds who were great three years ago at Dortmund. But what were they doing at Dortmund? They were missing out on the title. Which is Arsenal's speciality. <laughs> well, they fit right in, wouldn't they? It's crazy. Nah, but look, I think if you're adding Mkhitaryan to your team, if he can play more than he did at Manchester United and get a good run, maybe Arsenal might suit him a bit better. I'm not sure. And, you know, Aubameyang, yeah, look, he's 29. But as long as he's fit and he's in good form and he's focused and he can get his head in the game and, and, and really concentrate on his football, 
he's a terrific player with a terrific goal scoring record and it's look if you are going to lose Sanchez and they were always going to this isn't a bad consolation to get the, those two players in because you could quite easily have seen a scenario where they lost Sanchez and didn't bring anyone in to replace him mm. so I think look it's not as bad as maybe Arsenal fans would have feared a few weeks ago if not Arsenal who for you has had the best transfer window of the Premier League teams I, I think that's a difficult Really difficult question. Very subjective, and it's it's also not always about who you buy; it's who you keep hold of. But I think Manchester United buying Sanchez mm. from a direct rival, nipping in to get him away when it looked like he was going to pitch up at Man City, is a, is a great deal. He hasn't looked that good really in his first few matches for Man United. Question marks over how he'll be used in that team and whether they can find the right role for him and whether he can contribute as, as well as he has done for Arsenal at times. But I think on paper, that's a, that's a great move. Hmm. Um, and Mkhitaryan was a bad fit there as well. They were looking for a home for him. They were looking to get rid of him as well. Yeah. So they've got rid of someone that was dragging the team down that Mourinho did not want and they brought in one of the star performers of the Premier League of the last three or four seasons. That seems like a good move. I'd also put in there West Bromwich Albion. Because yeah. Johnny Evans has been linked with a move away for 18 months to two years. They managed to keep hold of him. And if you can keep Daniel Sturridge fit, and I know that's the biggest if in football, if you can keep this guy fit, at the very least get 10 games from him. And I don't think you can judge him on 20 minutes against Man City in midweek. You get him fit, you get him firing, you get him the service. We know Alan Pardew has that almost laissez-faire attitude to tactics at times. Let's all get forward, let's get on top. He could fit in really, really well there. And there is... You never see a partnership up front anymore. It's so rare, but I feel like Solomon Rondon and Daniel Sturridge do have that kind of partnership potential. I think Sturridge is a hell of a signing. Uh, and it, he is almost the forgotten man in terms of the England strikers. Mm. A couple of tournaments ago, he was one of our main men. And yeah, the, that season under Brendan Rodgers, where Liverpool so nearly won the Premier League title, he had a fantastic season then playing with Suarez and Sterling. And if he can somehow get back to, to that, level of form and that level of performance he's one of the best strikers in the Premier League way above the level of West Brom so they've pulled off a bit of a coup there um, but that's the question mark is injuries can he can he sustain a, a, any sort of length of time in the first team if they if he can for West Brom it'll give him a chance of staying up because I know they kept Johnny Evans like you say which is important for them he's probably their best player but there's still a drift. Mm. A lot of those teams down the bottom have shown marked improvement in recent weeks. I know West Brom beat Liverpool in the FA Cup, tremendous performance. They need to do it in the league, and they haven't really looked that spectacular compared to the rise of, of Swansea, of Crystal Palace, of you know, some you of the You can say West Ham, Dave, it's all right. I was, I was about to say West Ham. You can say it, it's OK. I, I thought maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few other quick winners for me as well. Tottenham Hotspur, they do that Tottenham Hotspur thing of just looking around, being careful and going, what about Lucas Moura for £25 million from PSG? I think PSG? that's a great deal. Superb deal. When you consider the, the, the amounts of money and the sort of going rate for players of, of his calibre at the moment, they have got themselves a bargain there. Mm. This guy has played a lot of games for PSG. He's an international of the highest quality. He's got a good record. Crazy fast. Yeah. Super and fast Especially player. when you consider how much they pay for Sissoko. Last yeah. season, and he's he's twice the player that Sissoko is. Uh, and two other quick winners for me as well before we go through the whole list of transfer window losers. Uh, Swansea, Andre Ayew is the most nothing player who ever lived, right? I think we can all agree on that. He's not good I at find anything. That strange. Yeah. However, there is something about having Jordan and Andre How together. There is something about. How much did West Ham pay for? It'll end up being right. It was like tw- it was like twenty million pound they bought him for, and they sold him for eighteen. Essentially, West Ham loaned him for eighteen months for one point five <laughs> yeah, million yeah. pounds. Right. It's a classic David Sullivan sort of deal. He ain't had to spend any money, and he's had a player for a bit. It was rubbish. Has he been any good for West Ham? No. No. no, nothing. But this is, this is my point, right? Maybe he's he's a, he has a nothing sort of player in the sense that he's not good at any particular thing. He's not really got a position in the team. He's not a striker. He's not an attacker. He's not a midfielder. But there is effort, work rate, and there is a certain amount of talent there. Unfortunately for him, he's never had a club where they've developed him into a certain type of player. However, you put him with his brother, who I think is fantastic, Jordan I. I'm a massive fan of the way he's played the last few months. Bring him together. Bring him back to the positivity of Swansea because he wasn't liked at West Ham. They love him there. You put all that together, there's something that can galvanise this yeah. team. And the fact that they've just spent that money on someone like on, on him, that Carlos Carvajal's been back that way, that I think is a real positive. And the, and the other winner for me is Everton. I like the look of St. and I really do. I think he could develop over this next six months and be a great start of next season. Uh, Mangala has come in. I know he's had his detractors, but is he a good second tier of Premier League central defender? Yeah, probably so. Sam Allardyce will sort him out. Sam Allardyce like will Sacco. do it. 
Lucky's done with Sacco, James Tompkins, uh, Winston Reid. A lot of defenders have been made by Big Sam Allardyce. A um, few at Sunderland as well that I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, they've also got rid Lamine of Morales. Lamina Cohen, that's exactly who I wanted to think yeah. of. It was great for that little run. Got rid of Morales, got rid of Sandro, got rid of Barkley, were millstones around the neck of the club, and also Theo Walcott. Yeah, and look, look, Walcott looked excellent, didn't he, on, on Wednesday night against Leicester, and he'll be relishing the prospect, I'm sure, of going back to Arsenal at the weekend, trying to show them why they were wrong maybe to let him go. But yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think they've, they've had, they have had a decent window. What about losers? Who hasn't done the business they should have done during January? Well... Uh, what do you think about Newcastle? <sighs> Islam Slamani is not a good buy. That, that's what I think about that. He I, has been good at times, though. What, when, if he uh, can play every game, it'd be interesting to see what, he, what he's like, because he hasn't had that run of form, has he, really? Since what he's fantastic at is heading up football. He is fantastic at that. If they cross the ball high to Slimani, they'll got do some well. some players who can do that. And that's a very Richie, important thing. Kennedy, Kennedy looked quite good yeah. in midweek against Burnley. However, he traps a ball like he's a brick wall. And when you're playing alone up front for Newcastle, that's a very important aspect. It maybe leads to why West Ham bought someone like Jordan Hugill, because he can actually do that. Hold the ball up in games where you're playing 4-5-1, 4-3-3, however it tends to work out. They knew they had those problems all window, and Slimani late is not a good move. They're still going to have to play Jocelyn. I'm not sure they brought in enough not sure. quality across that group. And Kennedy, it could have been worse. though he was all right in midweek, is he going to be the guy that changes it significantly for Newcastle? I don't know. The other one I've got to mention is West Ham. They've got to be mentioned here yeah. because I went to the Palace game uh, on Tuesday. I know you were there as well with Talk Sport. And they had to play seven defenders at home against Crystal Palace. Pablo Zabaleta playing in midfield yeah. because there were no midfielders and no forwards the at the club. The state of that bench as well. With Josh Cullen, Domingos Kina, all these youth team players. Mm. And Jose Font, a 34-year-old central defender who is only there for the money anyway. This is what you're looking at with West Ham, and they knew they had those problems. They bought no midfielders. Since then, Obiang has been injured. He'll miss the rest of the season, more than likely. He is out. And then you look at it and you think, why haven't... And then they sold Andre Ayew. Again, I'll reiterate, I'm not a big fan of Andre Ayew, but there is nobody else. There is no one else to come in. Jean Mario looks all right, but it's a classic Sullivan, cheap loan, won't buy him. You know, if he could fill the entire team with loans in a stadium they've loaned, I think he'd be utterly delighted. Um, and to bring in Jordan Hugill, I've got nothing against him. I've seen him play for Preston. I think he's a perfectly acceptable young player. 25 years of age, done a job at Hartlepool, went to America, learned his trade, all that sort of stuff. It's a great story. He's like watching goal, but the star of it isn't Spanish. He's from the north of England. I like it. Uh, however... I think you're overselling him a touch. No, there. it's a bit like that. When he's, you know, Jordan Hugill going to end up at Real Madrid? You never know. Years. It happened to... What was his name in the movie? I can't recall it now. But that guy... In goal, it could happen to him. You never know. He might meet Beckham one day and Alan Shearer doing some weights <laughs> in the gym. Um, anyway, I think that he could be a decent player. But when you make a move to the stadium and all these West Ham fans are saying, well, where's the money gone? Didn't spend the Carvalho money. Didn't spend the Zaza money. Didn't spend any of this cash they thought they'd have. And then turns out there is no money for some reason, mainly because it seems like Sullivan's pocket in it. And then they went, well, we got Preston North End striker on the last day. I mean, they'll be sacked the board chance at Brighton this weekend, I have no doubt. Uh, and that is not... I feel like David Moyes, God bless him, has been given a real short straw. And at one point, it was West Ham don't want him. I would say now they'd be lucky to keep him. Um, but we'll maybe talk all, about all that a little bit later as the season progresses. Uh, we've got Ewan Roberts, we've got Kev Watson joining us on the preview show. And we're going to give us some score predictions for loads of important games coming up this weekend. It's the Premier League preview show for the 26th week of the season. You are listening to the Premier League preview show. Tom Rennie with you, David Walker here as well. We are joined now to talk about two of the biggest games of the weekend by our former Spurs and Reading midfielder. Kevin Watson has dropped by. How are you, mate? You're right. I'm very good, Tom. Thank you, yeah. Uh, you and I were up late on Wednesday. We were covering the Spurs' victory over Manchester United. And these are the games I want to talk to you about coming up uh, this weekend. Spurs' game against Liverpool could be one of the games of the season. Two teams who were fantastic in midweek. We'll talk about Manchester United and how poor they were ahead of their game against Huddersfield too. But let's start with that game. 4.30 UK time on Sunday. Liverpool against Spurs. And we'll start uh, with your former team. 
Big questions going into that game, wasn't there, on uh, on Wednesday night against Manchester United. We're talking about the gap at the top of the table. We're talking about if they don't win this, they're going to be eight behind United, five behind Liverpool, out of those Champions League places, uphill task. And they answered every single question for us, didn't they? Yeah, it was a huge game for them. Uh, it was. I felt it was a must-win if they wanted to to reach that top four, even though we're still a couple of months from the end of the season. But they come out all guns blazing, and what a start they got after 11 seconds. Um, the goal from Christian Eriksen, basic football. United should have dealt with it. They didn't. And that was just the catalyst for the rest of the game, really. Uh, United came out and had a, had a go for five, ten minutes. But then the rest of the game, it was all Spurs, and they were, they were imperious for the whole game, really. And 2-0 and doesn't really reflect... Uh, their dominance in that game. They were they were really, really good and, and should have had more goals. Uh, Lucas Moura has come in from Paris Saint-Germain, £25 million, five-year deal. Um, will be involved in the match-day squad for the game against Liverpool this weekend. I, I don't envisage he will start because, I mean, you couldn't drop anyone from that performance in midweek, could you? No, you couldn't. Uh, questions have been asked about Tottenham. They've sort of dropped out, didn't they? They dropped out the, the top four. Then they became five points off it, so that's why it was such a huge game on Wednesday. But they produced a real class performance and showed the quality of when they just finished second to Leicester. Um, that was the quality they produced for most of that season. And they lived up to those standards again tonight. I think Tottenham will finish strongly um, and it will be up to the teams above them to keep them out. And playing Liverpool on Sunday, another good opportunity for them to close that gap. Uh, Liverpool, great performance from them as well in midweek. A victory over Huddersfield Town. Uh, Bobby Firmino playing the football of his career right now up front. Um, going forward, even without Coutinho, still fabulous, fabulous football from them. But when I look at these two teams and I compare them, I really don't see that much in Virgil van Dijk. I continue not to see it. I feel as if Spurs are a more complete side. But every time I try and do a prediction when it comes to these two teams, it goes out the window. For me, I'd fancy Spurs to, to get all three points and certainly to finish in the top four. Would you agree with that? Have you seen improvements of Liverpool since Van Dijk has come in defensively? I, well, I, going back to Spurs, I think Spurs defensively are better than Liverpool, even with the addition of Virgil van Dijk. Um, I still think they're incredibly loose. They throw bodies forward. They empty out the midfield area. And I think that's where Tottenham can hit them on the counter-attack. So if you, both teams are really, really good, incredibly good going forward and easy on the eye. But I think Tottenham defensively are better than Liverpool. And I think that's where the edge will come on Sunday. And I think Tottenham will win the game. What about Liverpool's transfer window? Van Dijk coming in, obviously a massive signing. But Coutinho going out, has that made us think of them as a lesser club, a lesser entity without their star man? Yeah, well, he was a huge player for them, wasn't he? Uh, Coutinho, real huge player for them. Got his, not only did he create, but he scored his fair share of goals and was really easy on the eye, but it was a huge sum of money that Barcelona offered, and I'm not so sure any team would have been able to turn that down. However, he needs replacing, and they've not replaced him. Should they have been in for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's gone to Arsenal? Should they have been in for Alexis Sanchez, who, who went to Manchester United? Should Liverpool be making that kind of signing? I mean, essentially, it isn't those attacking players they need, but... Uh, we're going into a game now where Loris Karius is going to be in goal. Simon Mignolet hasn't left the club. That issue hasn't been sorted. Defensively, there's still massive deficiencies. Emre Chan, they can't convince him to sign a contract. He's about to give them the old Sanchez treatment mm. and go to Juventus, uh, it looks like, come the summer transfer window. Did they have a good window, Liverpool? Are they in the strongest position of those teams in and around the top four to finish in that no, top I four? I don't think so. I think if you're Klopp, the powers that be behind the scenes, you lose Coutinho, uh, Coutinho Sanchez is up for grabs, seemingly going to the highest bidders. Manchester City pulled out, refused to go any higher, which is their prerogative, fair enough. But I think he would have been more of a fit for Liverpool than Manchester United, in all honesty. The way Liverpool are so quick going forward, he'd have got space, he'd have got on the ball, he'd have created, he gets his goals. Um, I just think he would have fitted in much better at Anfield than he will do at Old Trafford. As things stand, Liverpool third in the Premier League table with 50 points. Tottenham finding themselves in fifth on 48 following their victory uh, in midweek over Manchester United. Let's get to Manchester United. Uh, they're in action against Huddersfield Town. That's our three o'clock UK time feature game 
uh, for our international broadcast partners around the world. When we were covering the game from Wembley in midweek, pre-game, we looked at that 11, we looked at Sanchez, Lukaku, Jesse Lingard, Martial, Pogba, the full-backs, Valencia and Young, and we thought, wow, they are going to get forward, they are going to attack, they are going to penetrate Spurs, and we are going to get goals. They barely had a shot against Tottenham Hotspur. Now, they were great. We've established that. But were Manchester United poor? Were they... Were they? Well, I covered it. Why don't I ask it again? Were they poor? <laughs> they were poor. Absolutely, they were poor, yeah. As I say, Tottenham got the first goal, 11 seconds, but Manchester United didn't panic, and they were nowhere near out of the game. Um, and had a couple of half chances, created a couple of good good areas, and it looked like it was going to be end-to-end. And then all of a sudden, Tottenham just started dominated. And those attacking players disappeared defensively. And that's what I mean. It's a fine line. You've got to have a balance. He went top-heavy for me going forward. Um, even with Pogba sitting in there with Matic. Pogba's not a sitter. He just wants to run forward. And for me, Tottenham bossed the middle of the pitch and, and thoroughly deserved it. But there'll be, there'll be other days for Manchester United and there'll be other teams where he'll put out a similar side to he, he did tonight and they'll win convincingly in games. What do you make of Paul Pogba's performance? He was taken off as they were chasing the game. I know they were trying to keep uh, Matic in to hold the, the defence together, the midfield together, but... Uh, it's just another big game for me where I've seen him. And, and, and he has had moments. I think Arsenal away, he was, he was fantastic before he got himself sent off so stupidly. But when I see them in big games, apart from that, he doesn't really have the impact you want an £89 million player. The team has been built around who gets the captain's armband when the likes of Carrick and Valencia aren't there. He doesn't have the impact you expect him to have. No, he doesn't. And for me, at the moment, he's been almost what um, Meza Ozil gets labelled. The old flat trap bully can turn it on against the lesser, so-called lesser teams. But when it comes to the big games, he's not really grabbed it by the scruff of the neck. For me, he's produced his best performances when he's out in a wider position, left or right, and he can basically do what he wants. When you're in the middle of the pitch, you've got to go not only go forward, you've got to go backwards as well. And he doesn't like doing that. Um, and he was on the periphery for me all evening. Uh, was I surprised to see him go off? I thought it would be Matic or him because you don't need two sitters when you're 2-0 down. Um, but a little bit surprised that he's taken his £89 million player off. Yeah. So much money spent at Manchester United. The Manchester club's buying up the Premier League, left, right and centre. That is what they're doing. Uh, and, you know, it takes a, a certain type of coach to be able to take them. I always think that Jose Mourinho is a brilliant coach in the sense that he could coach any team in the world. Do I think Guardiola would do a good job at Stoke? I really don't. I think Mourinho would be brilliant at Stoke City and would probably get them where they need to go. He is a brilliant coach. But is he a manager who can handle these kind of resources? The Glazer family have given money, big, big money. They've increased that commercial arm of Manchester United to make them the biggest beast in the world, bigger than Real Madrid, bigger than everyone. They're bringing the players in. They're spending the money. Mourinho signed a new contract. But my question continues to be, why have they given him that new contract? Because we are not seeing them deliver with this sort of talent. I think he's gone away from, from what he knows. And he's done it prior to this at every club he's been at. He has uh, coached from a defensive base and taken what he can get going forward, nicking games 1-0. He started that at Manchester United. And then I think, Every fan demanded that it, it changed. So he's gone away, I think, I think, from what he's comfortable coaching. He's almost gone completely the other way. As we see tonight, six attacking players on the pitch, four defen- or five defensive players. He's gone, he's gone half and half, emptied the middle of the pitch. Um, so is he comfortable actually coaching teams to go out at a Manchester United, of which they demand, the fans, coaching them, right, you're going out to win as opposed to you're going out not to lose. That's that's my opinion of him. Uh, they'll go out to win big against Huddersfield Town at Old Trafford on Saturday. I have no doubt about that. And Huddersfield Town, they lost to Liverpool in midweek. David Wagner said they're not dreamers. They never expected to get something from Liverpool. They don't expect to get something against Manchester United. But we saw Bournemouth in midweek do exactly that. We've seen shocks happen all season long. And Huddersfield Town have got that air of Middlesbrough from last season about them. They picked a tactic. It was hold on in games and try and get something from it. Build on defence first. Going forward, they don't have very much. Aaron Moyer's done almost nothing since January. Alex Pritchard has come in but didn't start again against Liverpool. If you're going to buy players now, you've got to get them to start. And they're not starting them. They tried Mounier and Depoitre together up front against Liverpool. Did not work for a second. Um, They can't afford to be letting these games go by the wayside because right now they are slipping and slipping 
and slipping. And in the next few weeks, at the moment, there's 11 teams in that relegation battle. In four weeks from now, there'll be six. Mm. And they're going to be one of them. They are. And they're going very much the way that Southampton did. When you and I sat here and we, we spoke about who do you see getting in the relegation battle? And we could just see Southampton slip sliding towards mm-hmm. that bottom, bottom area. And Huddersfield are very much the same. And at the moment... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Their early season form and their early three or four games are keeping them away from that bottom half. They've got attacking players that they didn't use the other night on the bench, i.e. your Pritchards, your Inces, your Van Laparas. Hmm. These players may need to start because he needs to get a big three points from somewhere. And three points at this stage of the season for any team in that bottom half is huge. It's almost worth five points to get you out of that out of that trouble. So it might be worth saying, do you know what? I'm not going to try and hang on and nick something. We're going to try and win the game, and we're going to go all out to try and win the game because three points will be better than not, be, be better than one, obviously. And Man United, fifty-three points, second in the table, a long way behind City, but only just above Liverpool by three points, and in the top four, five points ahead of Spurs, who beat them in midweek. Huddersfield Town find themselves in 17th, just a point outside those relegation places. Worst form in the Premier League right now. Four straight defeats. Something needs to change and now. Let's get some predictions from those two games. Kev, Liverpool, Spurs? I think Tottenham will win that, and I think... Ooh. Oh, yeah. Here we uh, go. And I'm going to go 3-2. Spurs man Kev Watson says Spurs uh, win. Uh, what about United, Huddersfield? I mean, any score? <sighs> I think it's a comfortable United win, yeah. I'm going to say 3-0. They're going to be tough for David Wagner from here on in. Kev Watson, thank you very much indeed for joining us here on the Premier League Preview Show. Loads more games to get through. Stick around. You are listening to the Premier League Preview Show for the 26th week of this 17-18 season. It's hard to remember... There's actually loads of games going on with the amount of transfer discussion we've already had on the programme. But there are some massive games this weekend and three of them are going to be discussed right now. The, the big story of the transfer window has been that striker merry-go-round, Aubameyang, Giroud. We've talked about it a lot. We're going to be joined now by our former Premier League striker. Some would say the ginger Giroud and I'm sticking with it. It is the former Leicester City and Watford and Wales striker Ewan Roberts. How are you, mate? You all right? I'll settle for that, Tom. You having that? I like Ginger Giroud. That's good, isn't it? I'll settle for that. I'll settle for that. People always call me the budget Jason Statham. (laughs) We're all getting nicknames going on. Dave, what do you want? I'll have whatever's going. Okay, we'll think of something for you. I like to think of you as a young Hasselhoff. What? You having that? No. Well, we'll try it I do have a hairy chest like him, though. That's what I was going with. I was trying to think of another 
hairy, handsome man. And I do look good in a pair of red shorts. We'll put that to the test. Right, (laughs) Ewan, thanks for finding some time for this weird Premier League preview show. Um, Watford up against Chelsea this weekend. You're part of our international commentary team covering that. I wanted to talk to you about this whole striker thing that's happened in the last few weeks. Chelsea getting Olivier Giroud. Tony Cascarino has said this week in the Times that that's the move of the January transfer window. For me, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is a brilliant signing for Arsenal. Maybe it's come a couple of years too late for him, though. Both teams were awful in midweek. Uh, Chelsea losing at home to Bournemouth. Arsenal losing away at Swansea. Um, who's got the better of this transfer merry-go-round with strikers? I would have to agree with uh, with Tony. Um, I think Giroud for the money is it's great value for, for, for me. What, £17, million, £18 million? In, in in this day and age, in this transfer market, uh, you know, I think it's, a, it's an absolute bargain. He's a proven Premier League scorer. Um, goodness knows why he hasn't started more games for for Arsenal. I saw them on, I was at the game on on Tuesday against Swansea and they were awful. And they just lacked f- fight, heart, everything. And, and, and Giroud came on with about 10 minutes to go. Um, and they, it, he just... Gives them an, another option, but he's, he's stayed in London. He's, he's moved across to Chelsea, and, and they're in desperate need of, of a goal scorer. Yeah. Um, Morata's out injured. It, he hasn't really set the world on fire. That's why he's gone to Dortmund. And I, and I have to admit, I think Chelsea have, have had a great deal in, in, in the money that they've spent bringing a, a French international who will go to the World Cup with his national side. I think it's a great deal for Chelsea. And yet, They've signed Giroud. We're thinking they've done great in the transfer window. The performance against Bournemouth in midweek for Chelsea was disjointed. It was, it was very, very top. low energy. And Bournemouth, who bought nobody in January, utterly outplayed them first minute to last. Why were they so poor? I think there's something not quite right with, uh, with, with the manager uh, his body language isn't what it was last year when 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 they won the Premier League. Um, they haven't been scoring goals. You know they've 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 got knocked out of uh, of that cup competition, uh, the Carabao Cup against Arsenal. In that the cup competition, whatever it's called I mean, these I, days. I com- I completely forgot the Ginger Giroud so, Memorial the, Cup. The, the confidence is is low there. You think Morata's their top scorer with 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 ten goals in the Premier League. I think they've missed Hazard when when he hasn't played, and 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 the likes of Pedro and and William haven't really stepped up to the mark in in the Premier League this season. Uh, it's a big game on Monday night football against Watford. Uh, David, of course, you're a Watford fan, and Ewan's yeah. a Watford legend. Tell me about Watford, guys. <laughs> well, that that nil nil against Stoke. On Wednesday, I've never been so happy with a nil-nil draw. <laughs> first clean sheet in ages, a point in Gracia's first Premier League game in charge. It was it was really important that Watford didn't lose that match because then that would have really closed up the gap between the, the bottom three and, and where Watford are in the table. They're, they're 11th now, still only four points above the bottom three, so still very much in the thick of a relegation battle, even though it might not look like it at first glance at the league table. Um, but that was a, a, a an important result. They played quite well. They had chances to win the game. And then, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Interesting this game on Monday, Ewan, because you think, right, Chelsea are in a little bit of a difficult period, but will they want a reaction? Is it is it a bad time to play them off the back of such a humiliating defeat against Bournemouth? I think it possibly could be, because um, you would expect Giroud uh, to uh, to play start his first game for, um, for for Chelsea. And I, I just look at some of the results that that um, Watford have had. You know, they, they were two 0 up at Everton. They were two 0 up. At Chelsea, they were winning the game against Swansea with eight minutes to go, and they lost those three games. You know, they they, they started the season so well. You know, losing just one of their first eight Premier League games, and that was to, to City by six goals to nil. And you know, we've seen what Manchester City can do to uh, to a team this season. Mm. And you know, ever since, uh, and it's it's well known now and well documented since uh, Silva was. His name was branded about with becoming the new Everton uh, Everton manager. It's just gone downhill from there. They've only won once in their in their previous twelve Premier League games. But I do agree with you. I think that that goalless draw up um, up at Stoke that will have will have lifted everybody. You know, a clean sheet uh, for the first time in in a few games, and they have to now take full advantage of of the form that Chelsea are in. Yes, they'll they'll be. They'll be more confident now that they have got a, 
a target man, a front man, if you like, um, who is a proven Premier League goal scorer. But it'll be a tough game for Chelsea because, mm. you know, I think I think with a new manager, you always get a reaction in, in the first five, six games. You see what happened with when Big Sam uh, joined Everton. Um, they were outstanding for, for his first five or six games. So, yeah, I, I expect a good reaction from, from Watford at Victory Road. So two teams have been at, at Victory Road on Monday. Watford and Chelsea need a big reaction. Arsenal in that camp as well. They're up against uh, Everton uh, this weekend. That's the late game on Saturday. Uh, Everton, great win for them against Leicester in midweek. For Arsenal, another crumbling, humbling performance against a, a struggling side. They have made some good moves. You know, the Dortmund side of three or four years ago with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Henrik Mkhitaryan and Marco Royce going forward, it was brilliant to watch. You know, they were a great side. They've got two parts of that together and Mesut Ozil signed his new contract. So would we expect Arsenal to find that weird purple patch of form they always seem to get when the major trophies are out of reach and they need to qualify for the top four? Does it start now? I think, I think they'll beat Everton. I do think they'll beat Everton because um, at home, I think they're a good side. I think they've really struggled away from home. They've lost seven of, of their 13 away games. And they have, they've had a good window. You know, the two that they've brought in will have so much going forward. Um, but Arsenal, don't, they haven't got problems with scoring goals, Tom. The problems they've got is defensively. You know, the goals that they conceded mm. at the Liberty were an absolute shocker. And, and I was working at the game and, and I looked at the left-hand side of their defence and Mustafi and Monreal. And I just thought Swansea could get at them down that down that side. And, and they did. You know, the, the second goal was an absolute calamity. And looking at the goals they've conceded, they've conceded 34 goals. It's, it's by far the highest in the top six. They've conceded the same amount of goals as West, as West Brom, who are bottom. <laughs> and that tells you everything about, about Arsenal. And Arsene Wenger, I can't believe he's not concerned or, or not worried about his, his defence. You you're not going to outscore a team in every Premier League game that, 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 that you play in, especially when you've got such a fragile defence uh, and a, a goalkeeper that's going to be a low on confidence um, as Arsenal have got. And what about Everton? Because you mentioned that terrible form they had under Big Sam Allardyce when he first came in. Um, I don't think they were great against Leicester in midweek. I was watching the game here back in the studio and it wasn't a particularly good performance from them. And Leicester, even without Riyad Mahrez, I thought were the better side. They were the more energetic side. It was almost a classic, quintessential Big Sam Allardyce Premier League win. Yes, we got the three points, but it was it was hard, hard work to watch. It was just get that win. You know, we haven't won in, in six you know, yes, we had a great reaction when I first came here. You took the things that I, I worked with you on board. We did well. We picked some good points up. We got ourselves up to the top half of, of the Premier League. No, all of a sudden, they've, they've hit a brick wall. And I, I was listening to Big Sam on, on, on your station um, yesterday morning. Uh, he was on the Alan Brazil show. And, and he was saying, we've just got to find a way of winning this game because we have to put a and then to, to this run uh, of poor results and poor performances, because we will get dragged back into that relegation fight. And there, there, comes, there comes a time in a season, Tom, where you're not too concerned about how you play performances. You've got to get those three points. And, yeah, for Big Sam, that's all season, isn't it? <laughs> that's his thing. Sometimes it is, sometimes it is. But <laughs> you, you have to do what it takes. And at times, there's there's nothing wrong with with winning ugly, and I think that's what Everton did last night. And you never know that win might set them up on a decent run again. Well, you just mentioned there that Swansea took advantage of Arsenal's left hand side. Seamus Coleman returned in that match against Leicester, put in a good performance considering how long he's been out. Theo Walcott was in front of him down the right-hand side, scored twice. It's made for Theo to go back and do the same that Swansea did to Arsenal uh, uh, at the Emirates and, and score at least another goal on his on his return. I was slightly surprised that, that Arsenal let him go um, when they did, but then when you see that the two that they've they've uh, they've got to replace him, then, then, then you can understand. I think he'll do well at Everton. Um, I think he's still got a lot, lot to prove. Um, he's still relatively, still got quite a lot, uh, a lot of his career in in front of him. And I, as as an ex-player, when when you're going back to a former club, things did go stale for you. You know, you weren't a fan's favourite. I think you've got a lot to prove. Um, and I think Theo will be, he'll be looking forward to going back to the Emirates. He's come really early into his Everton career, um, and I think he'll be licking his lips, thinking, you know, he'll know the weaknesses. 
you know, there'll be no one better than than Theo knowing the, the weaknesses the weaknesses that Arsenal have in 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 their back four. Yeah, having been um, one of their weaknesses for so long, I suppose <laughs> it's he's used to being in those meetings. Um, <laughs> There's one thing, in it. we've not got time to do this story now, but I do want to briefly mention this. Big Sam Allardyce was speaking about Adamola Lukman, who's gone to RB Leipzig on loan, and he said, why would he want to go to RB Leipzig and play over there? Speak a, like they speak a, a foreign language, he won't like it over there, or it will stop his development. Is that not just everything that's wrong with English football in that statement? I mean, Big Sam, you know, the dinosaur that's continues so to, to, to dominate English so, football. It's so old-fashioned, and, and, and Big Sam, he should know better, really. You know, he's... He's gone to play regular um, first-team football. I'm surprised that he hasn't been given more opportunities at Everton because every time he's, he's he's been involved, every time he's he's come off the bench, I think he's done ever so well. He, you know, he he looks quick. He can score a goal. He he can create. But maybe Big Sam, at this moment in time, with Everton in the predicament that that they're in, he probably needs a, a bit more experience. Mm. But he's got a chance to go and sample. Um, uh, Playing in a good side, um, a side that's full of full of confidence, and just a completely different experience for the for the young man. And it will only benefit him. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be a, uh, how would you say? It's not gonna affect his career in the long run in no. a negative way. He'll only benefit from going on loan to another country, to another team. But then Sam was always afraid. That's why he's managed every single Premier League club and never left the country. Listen, one final quick question. We're a bit pushed for time. But I've got to ask you about this game. You were watching Swansea up against Arsenal in midweek. Of course, they've beaten Liverpool and Arsenal. Leicester, one of your former teams. Will they have Riyad Mahrez back in the eleven after Man City did that lovely thing of putting big money up, unsettling the player, and then going, nah, don't fancy him in the end? Yeah, I can't believe it's sixty-five million pounds, and, and and Leicester turned it down. And wanted what eighty-five, ninety. But he I should mean, be the, getting that. I mean, he's he's done more in his career than Coutinho has, and he's gone for hundred forty odd million. <laughs> hey, he's only worth what people are willing to pay, Tom. Yeah. Um, I mean, he'll be devastated. He, he will, and I'll be surprised if we see him in a Leicester shirt again this season. Mm. Uh, his his head will be absolutely all over the shop, and you know he's not going to get a warm welcome from from the Leicester faithful. But this is this is a tough game for Leicester because since his appointment, um, Carlos Carvalhal, he's been he's, he's an outstanding. You know, ten points from 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 the fifteen that's been possible in in the Premier League, back to back wins for the first time this season um, against Liverpool and and, and Arsenal. Um, a cl- uh, you know, the clean sheet against against Liverpool as well, something that Man City couldn't do. They're absolutely flying. They've got momentum. They're they're playing full of confidence. They're working hard, and and people keep going on about how Swansea used to play. You know, when they attacked with pace, when they kept the ball and moved the ball quickly. They're back to that. I mean, that's that's the Swansea that I saw against uh, against um, against Arsenal in in in, in, in mm. midweek. But they haven't got a good record against against Leicester. I think they've lost five out of their last. Six against Leicester. I think Leicester have won their last seven home games against Swansea. So it's it's ne- it's never been the best of hunting grounds for for the Swans. Yeah, big game, tough to call. Three o'clock UK time on Saturday. The Ginger Giroux, you and Roberts. Thank you very much indeed. You are listening to the Premier League preview show with the Hoff and the Budget Statham. It's the Premier League preview show for game week 26 of the season. Tom Rennie and David Walker, Talk Sports football editor, with you. Uh, we've got five games we've got to get through. Quick predictions on all of these uh, that are taking place this weekend. If you're listening outside the UK and Ireland, Burnley Man City will start our broadcast weekend. I'll be doing the commentary for you alongside Chris Wellamo, former Burnley striker for Burnley against Manchester City. Uh, Burnley, another good performance from them in midweek at Newcastle in the sense that they didn't get beaten. Uh, as they're very, very good at. They got an important point because they have been sliding away a little bit. Uh, they're up against the Man City side that two games in a row, Cardiff uh, and West Brom, the opposition have tried to boot them off the pitch. Uh, Matt Phillips' tackle was awful. The McLean one on De Bruyne, where he just tried to scythe him down and missed. It reminded me a lot of um, Jonah Lomo and Mike Catt in the 95 Rugby <laughs> World Cup. Just steamrolled over yeah. and didn't matter. Uh, and, of course, there was the Joe Bennett in the Cardiff game as well. Teams are trying to get at City physically and still you can't stop them and you can't see anything other than a City win in all City games. No, you can't. And only Southampton on a longer winless run than Burnley. What are they on? How many is it? 12. 12 games without a win, is it now? Yeah. 
It creeps up on you a little run like that, doesn't it? Yeah, Burnley eight games without a win. Um, so I wouldn't say that that run's going to come to an end, even though it's at Turf Moor against Man City. Maybe that maybe that is the only hope to try and try and be physical with them. But as you've as you've just said, they can they can do that. They can mix it, and they can just cut. They can ju- you can try and get them, but they're too quick for you. Mm. What is the line? Do you think Burnley are currently sitting on thirty-five points? Southampton are in the bottom three on twenty-three. That is that's twelve points. You think oh, it's a massive gap. But no, in the context of this season, is but not 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 necessarily relegation. But I mean, is there a chance that Burnley, after this great start, after being in the Champions League place for a bit, could finish? If they finish fifteenth now, which is not unrealistic, if you look at them being on thirty-five and Newcastle being uh, on twenty-four, Brighton on twenty-four in that position, would that be a failure? Do you think from Sean Dyche if they were to finish that low from this point? Well, if they go from now to the end of the season and maybe they only win like one or two more matches, and yeah, then the, then that's a, a disappointing return for them, considering how high up the table they were and how good a run they were on. Mm. But I don't think it will be that bad. I still think they'll get enough. They'll beat enough of the teams lower down the table, home or away, to to finish mm. comfortably mid table. But it is tight. I mean, the the Premier League outside the top six, maybe seven. There's not much between them. Mm. They all different teams have runs of forms at different times of the year, and the, the league table changes quite a lot. But basically, they're all pretty much the same. I think I know West Brom are the, the, they are sort of adrift a little bit at the bottom of the league because Swansea have had those you know, couple of wins out of nowhere in the last few weeks. Mm. But basically, I think at the end of the season, there isn't going to be some team that's ten points beneath the rest. I don't think there'll be a big gap. I think from tenth down, there might only be. It could be fascinating. Could mm. be really exciting on the last day of the season. I don't think Burnley will be one of those teams will be in, in that sort of picture, but I do think they will lose and probably lose quite comfortably this weekend against Man City. Eddie Howe said it was Bournemouth's best performance under him when they beat Chelsea in midweek. They're up against Stoke this weekend under Paul Lambert, who have had a draw and a victory in that time, though not a great deal of investment during the, the January transfer window for Paul Lambert, as it always tends to be with Stoke City. Still playing Peter Crouch up front, didn't quite solve that problem, still relying on some magic from Shakiri in games to get them through it. I still think Stoke are in big trouble, uh, and I fancy Bournemouth. Well, yeah, Bournemouth are on a great run of form, and they, they've pulled off some remarkable victories in, in recent weeks, and they really have turned it round, because they were looking decidedly dodgy, weren't they, in the first sort of mm. six, seven, eight weeks of the season. But Jordan Ibe is a player who's really caught the eye over the last few weeks. He's really improving, maybe looking like that player that people thought he was going to be when he was getting game time at Liverpool. Uh, but Stoke, to be fair to them, two clean sheets in Paul Lambert's two uh, Premier League games so far in charge. He he's had a, he didn't have an FA Cup game with them last weekend, so he's had a lot of time to work with his squad. He has sorted them out. The defence was porous <laughs> at best against uh, under Mark Hughes in the in the dying days of that regime. They they couldn't keep a clean sheet to save their lives, but he sorted that out. So that gives them hope. A lot of Bournemouth players in real good form right now. Jordan Ivey mentioned Callum Wilson, four goals and two assists in six games. Junior Stanislas playing fantastically as well. I always liked him when he came through as a teenager at West Ham. It's a shame that they got rid of him. Uh, let's talk about West Ham. They're up against Brighton Hove Albion. Three o'clock UK time kickoff on Saturday. Uh, Brighton got the same issues really in the sense that if Glenn Murray doesn't score, Brighton don't score. Did score from the spot in midweek for West Ham. Injuries, injuries, injuries. Still no Lanzini, still no Arnautovic. Obiang is out. Carroll, obviously. Uh, I suppose there's a question about who in this game is going to score a goal. It's got 1-0 either way. Written all over it. Well, Brighton quite often draw their home games. Mm. You know, we've talked about a lot about how important it would be for Brighton to win and get the points at home. Well, they've been getting points, but only one at a time. They haven't won enough games at home, really. Uh, only one in the, only won one in their last nine. Um West Ham, though, they do appear to be there for the taking at the moment. As you say, injury ravaged. They had that great run of form, but all the players that were playing well, Lanzini and Altovic, they're all injured. Mm. You're packing the team with defenders and kids on the bench. And, you know, this would be a good time to play West Ham. And Brighton have got to take advantage of... At some point, they've got to take advantage of one of these home games, score more than one goal and win the match. West Ham lost just once in their last 10 matches, four wins in that time. But as you say, so many of those players out. Maybe that seven central defenders would suit... Uh, West Ham playing away from home more and does at home. Big game for both, that is for sure. Uh, elsewhere this weekend, two other quick games to get to. West Brom edge Albion against Southampton, the kind of game that West Brom, bottom of the table, can't afford not to win. And Southampton, we talk about teams being there for the taking. Another team, they draw too many games, they don't score many goals. I like the look of Carrillo. I liked him when I was sitting for Monaco and for Estudiantes, but it'll take him a few weeks. He isn't going to hit the ground running like Gabby Adini did last season, and that's what saved their last season. 
Well, you wouldn't think so. You never know. He needs a goal. If he gets an early goal, that might help him settle. If they, if they, if he works in the team, it might. You know, I don't think we should completely write his chances off of scoring goals just right because off, he's, mate. just because he's come from Mon- from Monaco. Uh, but Sturridge, if Sturridge starts against Southampton, he's got a good record of scoring on his debuts for clubs in the Premier League. Score for Liverpool, for Bolton, and Man City on his first start for all those clubs in the Premier League. If he can add. Another one to, uh, to that list for West Brom at the weekend. They'll have a good chance of winning. I think, as I've said before, when we looked at, when we looked at the transfer window, I think he's one of the best buys of the window. And one final game we haven't mentioned, Crystal Palace against Newcastle. It's the early game of two on Sunday. Different timings this weekend. It's 2.15 UK time. Uh, it gets underway, not 1.30 as it would usually be. Um, not sure if Islam Slomani will be fit enough to play, which is in itself a bit of a problem considering they've, they've brought him in to, to fill that striker's void. They've had all season Crystal Palace. We both watched them on Tuesday. I think that Bakary Sacco's injury is going to be a big problem for them the whole season. As we've been saying for weeks, really relies on the fitness of Wilfred Zahar. And at the moment, Townsend and Menteke you put in there as well. But apart from that, there's not much for Palace going forward. Could go no. either way, this. I, I smell a draw here. <laughs> a quite boring, lazy Sunday afternoon draw. Take the day off, everybody. It's not worth it. Uh, Dave, thank you very much indeed. Thanks to our guests as well. Out of time on the preview show this week. We are back next time around. Enjoy the football. We'll see you then. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.